the fourth chapter of Mishneh Torah. Okay, so they have Torah. This fourth chapter will deal with things that have that are all within our dimension and under the sphere of the moon. In other words, this has to do with human experience, what we encounter on this earth, and it ends with something much deeper, which is the actual human existence and uh, explaining and defining what the soul is, etc. These four bodies, these four states of matter that are fire, wind, water, and earth, they are the main ingredients of all the beings, all the creatures that exist under the moon. And everything that exists from man to animal, to bird, to reptile, fish, uh, vegetation, metals, and precious stones, and other kinds of minerals, and soil, everything is composed, comprised of these four, a combination of these four, of these four states. Uh, again, what we should take from here, is that things are not the way we see them. Things may have some programming that is not evident to the naked eye. That's true also today. So what you find is that everything, all the bodies that exist under the moon, or actually under the ratia, in the cosmos, ratia is the, the outermost one, right? So everything that exists in, in here, in this entire model, is made from two things. Is made from substance, from matter, vetsura, and from programming, from some some kind of a configuration, of a, a, an inner programming that it has, telling it what to behave. Again, we know this to be true. Everything is made of. If I had to define how the universe is built, I'd say it's organized energy. It's energy with some or programmed energy, energy with some programming that tells it how to behave, if to be an electron, if to be a neutron, how many electrons within the atom, the atoms becoming molecules, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> And each one of those, of those four states of matter also is made from golem substance that's what I'm programming. Now we're going to define some of the characteristics of each of these four states of matter. Um, the, the fire and the wind, what they have in common is that they are less dense than the atmosphere and, and therefore they they float they go up and the water and the earth they are attracted they are drawn magnetically <clears throat> or for gravity 
to the center of the earth uh, and therefore they go to the epicenter of the rakia because the epicenter of the rakia of the outermost sphere is the absolute is the ultimate down you cannot go down beyond the epicenter of the rakia which is the center of the earth and they, again, they have no cognition, they have no will of their own, and everything they do is because of how they were programmed. The fire is hot and dry, the Hukalmikulam is the lightest of them all. The the wind is hot and wet. The water is cold and wet. And the land is, is uh, dry and, and cold. is the heaviest of them all. And because the water is lighter than the earth, it's that the water goes on top of the earth, covering the earth by oceans, etc. Again, read between the lines epistemologically. This means that they know, they figure out, they paid attention to the fact that if you go, if you look at the ocean, the ocean is but a cover to the sea basin under it, which is tremendously impressive that they were able to figure that out. We haven't yet, with all the technology that we have, explored the, the, the floor of the ocean in, in, in all the places. The Haruah Kalmin Hamain gas is lighter than liquid. This is why it floats, it hovers over the water. This is an allusion, obviously, to the passage in the Rashid. As if Anamam is explaining, that's what the Torah meant when it says the Ruach Elohim. The fire is lighter than the Ruach. This was very advanced science at the time. Because these are the basic elements, the basic ingredients, the basic bricks, building bricks of everything else that exists under the Rakia. Everything that there is from humans to animals and the list that we mentioned before, their substance is a combination of these four elements. And because they combine, the result is like not is like none of them. It doesn't look like any of these four. Uh, if you look at a, 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 um, a piece of wood, it has some characteristics of these four, but it's not any of this four purely. And as they combine, as these four elements blend together, the, you can never find any of these four elements on their own. Um, and uh, if, you, if you take a piece of... Uh, let's say look at your finger human flesh it will not have any distinct any distinct portion of any of these elements in the pure form 
they rather blend together, they integrate with one another, they don't stay, uh, they don't preserve their original condition. And every body that is made from these four elements has the characteristics of these four elements together as well. אבל יש מהם גופים שיהיה בהם חוזקה מיסוד האש כמו בעלי נפש חייל, חילחיל יהיה בהם מקום יותר, אבל כמה מהם יש פרדומיננס של אחד מהאלמנט, שזה למה היא מתאפשרת יותר, אז זה למה ביולוגיקל בינים, אתם רואים שהם יותר חדשים מהאטמוספירה, כמו שהם יש להם יותר חייל אלמנט פרזנט. ויש מהם גופים שיהיה בהם חוזקה מיסוד הארץ כמו האבנים, וחילחיל יהיה בהם יובש על בן, ‫הסטונדלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקלייקליי
so Earth would go back to being Earth. But we just mentioned that everyone has a little bit of any of these four. And this is because humans, the human flesh, is comprised, composed mostly of Earth. It has other elements too, but it's mostly Earth. One modification to what we said, Adzarambam thinks when they break down, they don't break down right away to these four elements. They might go through stages, so flesh might, might break down to being um, decomposed flesh. Break, breaking down to be something else, breaking down to be something else, until eventually it goes back to being alpha. And this is a cycle, and things get recycled, etc., etc. There is a constant activity, a constant exchange between these four elements, and they are constantly changing to one another. Some of them, so again, we said they all appear as spheres under the moon, right? And there is a sphere of earth, a sphere of water. Uh, so it's, it's a crust of the earth and the oceans. Then we have the earth, then we have the fire, which we can call the, the, the extratosphere. Um, and there is an exchange between them, a constant dynamic exchange from one to the next, from one to the next. Um, uh, some of the crust of the earth becomes water, uh, some of the water. So all of these four elements in these four spheres, they exchange with one another, and the, the their border where they where they meet is a is a state of total exchange. They they keep converting and transforming from one to the other at each of these four levels in the three places in which they join to one another. But this exchange happens very slowly over many years, and it's never the entirety of this element that's going to convert to the next one. We will always need to have each of these four elements in existence on this earth. One thing to take from this to our days is that the physical world is in a constant state of flux, it's dynamic, things are constantly changing, um, nothing is static, again, nothing is as it seems. Things seem static, they seem stable, they are not. And we know that to be true as well today, and it's important to perceive the world following uh, the, the, the evidence following what we know to be true based on measurements and observations, not only what appears to the naked eye. That is very much true, and that's probably the main objective of, of this chapter, the attitude one should get 
um, in, in observing the universe. יהיה בסביבת הגלגל ומסביבתו יתחברו ארבעתם ויהיה מהם שיער גומה בני אדם ולפש החיה וצמח ואבן מתכת. What gives energy to all of this exchange between or among these elements is the actual, is the movement of the spheres. והאל נותן לכל גולם וגולם צורה הראויה לו. And God is the one that programs the substance, so it becomes the organism that is good for it, that is proper for it. This is all done through the tenth level of angels, the one that is called Ishim. In other words, in the levels of angels that we discussed, the tenth one, Ishim, is the one tasked with establishing the physical order of the world with which we interact. In other words, there is a programming that we see in this reality, you can call it string theory or whatever, that tells energy how to behave. And if you're a scientist nowadays, you don't know where to go from there. So let's say you take an object and you try to break it down and go smaller and smaller and smaller. So you go to, <clears throat> You go to molecules, you go to atoms, you go to particles, you go to subparticles, then you go to, uh, according to some theories today, string theory, you go to vibrations of energy of some sort, but what's causing those? What is making those vibrations in a multi-dimensional model uh, create the energy that then gets organized? So the answer for this, the, the, the encoders of physical reality would be what we are calling Malach Ishim. Malach Ishim is the angel that is tasked with, it's really the, the one link between the physical world and the next thought bubble, as we described last time. And that's the one, remember from last chapter, with whom prophets can and do interact. So in other words, to discover, to get to Malach Ishim, to be able to discover Malach Ishim, you have to achieve, you have to attain the limits of observation, the frontier of science with respect to the physical universe. In our terms today, it would mean, in, in particle physics, it would mean to go down and down and down until you reach uh, string theory and beyond. And that beyond Whenever you reach that beyond, that you don't know anymore, things don't make sense to you anymore, that's where Malach Ishim operates. You will never see substance without programming or programming without a substance. This is something that's not available to the naked eye. You cannot see with your eye the programming of the substance. It's something that, it's a thought exercise, it's a thought experiment that allows you to distinguish between the substance and the programming. 
והסטודות שאין להם גולם אינם נראים לעין, but if you had a programming that had no substance attached to it, like the angels, they are not visible to the naked eye, they don't interact with light, אלא בעין הלב הם ידועים, you can only deduce them with your mind, כמו שידענו אדון הכל בלא ראיית העין, just like you can deduce, you can infer, you can conclude God's existence without seeing him with your naked eye. נפש כל בשר היא סולתו שנתן לו האל. בנפש, בנפש, very important term, now we are going to explain the נפש, the soul of the person is the programming that was given to him by God. והדעת היתרה המסויה בנפשו של אדם, and this superior intelligence, this superior intellect that is found in the programming of man, this is the configuration, the programming that can be achieved by a man who, who, um, who attains a perfection of his intellect. Perfection of his intellect. So someone who attains the perfection of his intellect is really maxing out the the, uh, the possibilities of his uh, software, of his uh, programming. And it's about this kind of a person who attains his programming, that the Torah says, that God, as if it were, says to the angels, let us make man um, um, as a, uh, with an image that is capable of reaching us, with our image, in other words, with an image that is capable of discovering us, with something about him, with some programming that is capable of attaining us. As an aside, a parenthesis, when I say the house key, I can be saying a key that looks like a house, or I can be saying a key that can open the house. So when we talk about Selem Elohim, which is roughly translated by most people conventionally as the image of God, Arambam understood this, that's the way I read Morehan Evochim, the, the, the first and, and second chapters, Arambam understood this to mean the image, this programming, this software, this operational system, which permits access to God. As we said in the first chapter, there is nothing that can be compared, comparable to God. So I don't like the term image of God as though there was something that man had actually in common, ontologically in common with his creator. Rather, we have something that's unique to us, unique to our species, that if developed properly, would permit access to God, that is the intellect. Kilomar, as if to say that when God said, what he was saying is that we'll have some kind of a programming, some kind of, a, of an organization that would permit the attainment, the grasping of the of concepts that are not linked to something physical. Until man can then become like them. This is a, a, an important point. You become what you know. 
we started implying that in, in a couple of chapters ago, it's a very deep concept, you are what you know, you are your awareness. And therefore, if you are aware of, if you know, if you comprehend uh, things that are not material, things that are not physical, then a part of you is not physical also. ואינו עומד על צורה זו הניכרת לעיניים שיפה ואחותם והלסתות ושאר ראש עם הגוף שזה תו אשמה. And when the Torah says, נעשה אדם בצלמנו כדמותנו, when it's talking about סלם אלוהים, this סלם, this, uh, this unique configuration, I'm going to avoid the word image because it's confusing, we are not talking about the physical configuration, the facial features. That is called תואר in Hebrew. Not צלמנו, but תואר. And when we talk about nefesh, this programming that's unique to humans, we are also not talking about the life form, the biological life, the energy of life, which is what permits a human being to move around and to eat, and to drink, and to reproduce, and to feel, and to think. To think this is not what makes us think. Biological life is what makes us think. The nefesh, the tselem, is not what makes us think. Ella When God was saying, He was referring very specifically to this operational system which we have, which permits us the grasping of non-physical concepts. Many times, this is called by Chachamim or by the Torah, Nefesh, and another term, Ruach, which is translated as spirit. Therefore, you have to be careful when we see any of these names. They might mean the same thing, they might mean different things, and you should take each name based on its context. Not because you see the word Nefesh, it means what we just said, not because you see the word ruach or neshama, it means something else, it depends on the context. <clears throat> this nefesh that we speak about, this configuration, uh, by the way, ju just a word about that, the organization, the structure, if you were to map the neurons of our brain, that actual map, that blueprint, the configuration is not physical, it's not biological. The way that configuration manifests itself, the neurons themselves, yes, those are physical, yes, those are biological, they are matter, and as the body decays with age and, and after life, the neurons go away as well. The, the first thing that happens when someone die, dies is lysis, which is uh, it's the, the, the cells collapsing onto themselves and becoming, in effect, the brain becomes jelly, the neurons do not survive this life. What we are talking about is the, the geometry, the configuration itself of the neurons, the map of the neurons. That is not something, that is something that leads the thoughts, that is something that makes up a personality, that is something that makes memories, and it's not the neurons. In fact, we most of the cells of our body get recycled every few years. And, you know, you are the same person, you have the same memory now and 10 years from now and 20 years from now, even though the biological matter has changed, has changed completely. So that should tell us something about what we are talking about. 
אין צורת הנפש הזאת מחובלת מן היסודות שתיפלט לכם. This nefesh that we are referring to is not made up of these four elements which we started discussing, so it does not break down to them. ואין המכוח הנשמה עד שתהה צריכה לנשמה כמו שהנשמה צריכה לגוף. And it's also not from the neshama. The neshama is what we referred to in the last halakha here. The neshama is the force of life, the, the electricity that moves a biological body. The difference between a corpse and a living body is the neshama. The neshama needs the body. When the body dies, the neshama dies as well. This electricity that moved our body The electrical activity, the mood of our body when we were alive, when we are die, it dies with it. But the nefesh, meet Hashem in Hashemayim, it comes from God, from the heavens. Lefichach, kashayipared ha-golem, shu mechubar min ha-yisodot v'tobat ha-neshamayim, p'ne sh'ena m'suyay la'im aguf, atzlicha la'aguf p'chol ma'aseha. Therefore, when uh, we die, and the neshama dies as it needs the body as well, lo tikaret ha-sura ha-zot, vis Nefesh does not get cut off. The karet, Aramam is alluding to what can happen, which is karet. But as a default, this nefesh will not be nichrat. It will not die off with the body. Because it does not need the biological life for its doings. As we see, it can know and it can attain, it can grasp uh, concepts that are totally unlinked from physicality, from time and space. It can even become aware of the creator of everything. And therefore, it survives, it lives forever and ever. That's what Shilomo HaMelech says in Kohelet. He says that uh, the, the dust will go back to the earth as it used to be. That's our body when we are buried. But the Ruach, the spirit, this Nefesh goes back to God, the one from whom this comes directly. כל הדברים האלו שדיברנו בעניין זה כמר מדלי הם. All of these things that we just spoke about on this subject, they are like מר מדלי. מר means a drop, דלי means a bucket. They are like a, a drop within a bucket of water. ודברים עמוקים הם, they are very deep things. They are not as deep, as profound as those things which we discuss in the first and seven chapters. And the exploration of the elaboration, the studying, the investigation of all of these things, which were discussed in the third and fourth chapter, is what Hachamim call Ma'ase Bereshit, the meaning of, of uh, reality, the meaning of reality, the meaning of uh, what it means to be in the physical world, etc. Uh, if, if the Ma'asim Merkava was the chariot and the investigation of how Borei Olam leads this world, Ma'asim Bereshit is this world itself. If you want to continue in the chariot metaphor, 
the, the study, the investigation of the chariot itself, the chariot itself, not, not the way it, it's, it moves and it's being led in the direction and, and what's pulling it, etc., but the chariot itself, what it's made of, that is Master Bereshit. It's more static. Master Merkava is more dynamic. And this is what Hachamim also said, the early Hachamim, that one may not uh, expose, uh, one may not uh, elaborate on these things in public, but rather should only do so with one person only, but with this one person, as opposed to the first one, you're not supposed to only give seeds for this person to grow, then Mahatebele Shit is more knowable, it's less subjective, and therefore you can actually elaborate you can, and you can actually tell them, teach them exactly what things are and how things are. One last point in, in a couple of seconds about the Mahatebele Shit. Mahatebele Shit is not science. Mahatebele Shit is to science what reading is to characters. Okay, so if I have uh, these characters here in this sentence, and I read them and I make sense of them, if I were to just study the characters and, and see what their geometric shape is, and their contracts between the black and the white, etc., that would be like if, a, if uh, through science I look at the world, and I start analyzing what a cell looks like, the components of an atom, and so on and so forth. Now, from there to reading it, that is a different story. So, reading characters, the act of reading, would be like Maaseb Bereshit with respect to the world. It's not just seeing what trees look like, but it's reading those trees, reading the world around us, making sense of it. That's why I said the word meaning. It's the meaning of creation. It's the meaning of the created world. It means something. Uh, and, and you have to approach it with that attitude. Eventually, if ultimately, what uh, the world, what, what these words mean eventually, what these letters, characters mean, eventually, eventually, ultimately, they mean their author. They mean Harambam who wrote them. That's who I can discover by reading these letters. Uh, with the world, what the letters of the world mean, if you read them, if you engage in Maaseber Rashid, ultimately it's a creator. What is the difference between Maaseber Merkava and Maaseber Rashid? In terms of what you can cannot do. Merkava, we said, even to one person, you may not teach. You can only give them hints, and only if that person is sufficiently advanced. But you can teach it, you can develop it fully to one person. Even though that person would not be advanced enough to understand these things on their own, like they need to be from Asimilkava. And you are allowed you are allowed to expand upon Maaseh Bereshit as much as the person is able to receive. If so, why is it not proper 
permissible to teach this in public. Because not everyone is capable of understanding or even accepting these things as they are. And this is true also, this is definitely true for, for science. Uh, not everyone has the, the mental stamina to, to comprehend that reality is not the way it looks. Um, that's something that not everyone is ready to accept, is equipped to understand, which is why it's not a, a subject to be dealt, to, to be treated, to be uh, taught in public. Yutet, now we come to what I said before of the ma'asebereshit, but what, it's not, it's not the characters, is the reading. Bizman she'adam mitbonen badevarim elu, bidvarim elu. What happens when man contemplates, looks at these things, and understands, becomes aware of all creation, all of the creatures, from the angels to the spheres to man and everything else. And from there he infers, he deduces, he concludes God's wisdom in creating all of these things, Mosifa Havalan, immediately he gets filled with love to God. And his soul will be thirsty and his flesh will be, will yearn to love God. And then, as we said before, with this thirst, with this appreciation, what follows is fear. Immediately he's taken aback and, and, and trepidation takes over on account of his lowliness and, and his, uh, the, the, his weakness and, and his lightness, how light, how unimportant our existence is. When he compares himself one of the of the uh, more distinct larger creatures the whole shaken is talking about the spheres the whole shaken and this is true when you think about the cosmos think about the feeling that that gives you the whole shaken more so when he starts thinking and realizing how different we are from angels feel free to take that metaphor we spoke about yesterday of angels being like the the characters who have thought bubbles next to their mind and we existing within those those thought bubbles and the feeling that this leads to is our understanding of how little we are how unimportant we are which again runs counter to human intuition runs counter to every other form of religion. Man is not the ultimate reality, not in Harambam's world. And one of the points of studying is realizing that, is realizing how not centered we are. Tula Salachot. And the topics of these four chapters that describe these five mitzvot
הם שחכמים הראשונים קוראים אותם פרדס, that's what חכמים call פרדס, פרדס means an orchard, um, it's where the word paradise comes from. כמו שאמרו ארבעה נכנסו לפרדס, רק יצא למצכת חגיגה, there were four who went into or ventured into the פרדס. ואף על פי, I mean that story, although שגדולי ישראל היו, they were the greatest sages Israel had to offer, וחכמים גדולים היו, and they were on their own very wise men. לא כולם היה בהם כוח לידע ולהסיק על הדברים הבודיים, not all of them were ready, were equipped to comprehend and to deal with, to, to grapple with all of those things, and, and the, the end of them, of three of them, was tragic, only one of them, the Bi'akiva, נכנס ויעשה בשלום, was able to venture into this subject and to come out בשלום, in peace. כף א', ואני אומר, now a word of warning, and I say, says הרמב״ם, שאין ראוי להתעייל בפרדס, it's not appropriate for someone to go and, 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 uh, and tour the פרדס, אלא מי שנתמלא כרסו לחם ובשר, but for if you already have your belly filled with meat and bread. If you have the basics, go for it. If you don't have the basics, it's not for you. ולחם ובשר זה הוא לידה באור האסור והמותר וכיוצא בהם משאר המצוות, and what I'm talking about with this bread and meat is to know what's permissible, what's forbidden, no halacha, first of all, Understand halacha, understand why the halacha is the way it is. After you are filled, you fill your belly with this, then you go to the deeper stuff. It's very tempting to go straight to the deeper stuff. We have a lot of that nowadays, people who um, venture without any preparation. They, they, they cannot read a word of Hebrew, but they know, uh, presumably, allegedly, the deepest secrets that the Torah has to offer. That's not the right way. That's not the right approach. It does not lead anywhere good. And it, It's definitely not a recipe for actually achieving and attaining those truly deep uh, subjects. Even though these things, in Masechet Sukkah, I believe it's Tav Kafhet, Chachamim called them Davar Katan, they say this, are, this is a small thing when uh, it was described <clears throat> how much Rabbi Yohanan Mezakai knew, and there is a list of things he knew, and He also knew, says the Gemara, davar gadol davar katan. He knew the great things and the little things. So the great things are ma'aseh berejid ma'aseh merkava, the subject of these four chapters. The small things are havayot be'avayev rava. They are the, the kind of arguments in which avayev and rava engage, very halachic, very legal arguments. One says A, one says B, one says A because of C, one says B because of D, and so on and so forth. And although this was called Davar Katan, this was called by, by the Gemara, the small things, Shehare Amru Chachamim Davar Gadol Ma'asem Merkava V'davar Katan Havaya De'avaya V'rava, what we just cited, Afal Pichen, although, even though that's the case, Re'uin Hem Le'akdimam, even though this is the small things, they are what one should start with. You should start with the baby steps before running, and definitely before flying. שהן מיישבים דעתו של אדם תחילה, because ועוד שהן התורה הגדולה, and moreover, 
through the halachot, through what's permissible and what's forbidden, um, this is the great gift that God bequeathed mankind, uh, as they have the, the consequence of, of establishing a perfect society, if people fulfill halakha, um, everyone is happier, uh, physical life is happier, social life is happier, political life is happier, that is what the mitzvot have the, the consequence of bringing about. And they lead to a world where it becomes easier for people to attain olamaba, people to actually go and out and engage in life. No, no one around you is stealing and murdering, and everyone around you is helping one another, and so on and so forth. And they are all aware of their Creator, and they have gratitude to the one who saved them from Mitzrayim, and they keep Shabbat, and they are aware of nature. So, what ends up happening is you have an environment. That makes it much easier for the investigation of Maaseh Maaseh Thirdly, this backs and forth like the ones that are recorded in the Gemara is something that is knowable. Is something that everyone has access to. Everyone can study those things. You don't need to be Einstein to study Gemara. men and woman someone with a, a very expansive mind and someone with a narrower mind, just an inference from this halakha uh, before we, we leave. Number one, it's very clear from here that Haramban believed that one should study Gemara. Unlike what someone to say from the Hakdam of Haramban, where he says that this book, Mishneh Torah, was meant to be the second book you have, you hold in addition to the Torah, as if to say that you don't need any other books. No, he's saying you should start with Gemara. Gemara is actually a very important subject. One more thing, if one wants to make this inference, Ishve Isha, Haraman uh, believed that everyone, men and women, needs to study. Everyone, men and women, needs to study Torah. Everyone, men and women, needs to pursue knowledge and wisdom. Um, and uh, if, if that wasn't obvious, at least we have now the source here that says ish ve'isha, gadol ve'katan, ba'ala ba'chavu ba'al lev katzar. We'll see.